and we are making our way into the tabernacle. You, you mentioned different parts in the tabernacle. We're going to be out in the courtyard here for a little bit. Right. Or are we? Or are we? There's yes. always more, right? Yes. There's always more to where we're going. And so we're going to be at the bronze altar. The first thing, you come into the courtyard and you come to the bronze altar, a very large altar where they made all the sacrifices. So it, it's called the bronze altar of burnt offering. Right after that is the bronze laver. Both of them, notice, are bronze. They stood in a straight line between the gate of the court and the door into the holy place. Leviticus 4.7 calls it the altar at the door because there was no way to approach God but by passing that altar. There's no access to God but on the ground of that sacrifice. Now bronze is usually identified with judgment. When the children of Israel complained, God punished them by sending venomous snakes, and many Israelites died. God instructed Moses to construct a bronze snake or serpent, and anyone who was bitten could look on the snake and live. Very unusual story, but of course, as time goes by, we start to discover more. At the western end of this tabernacle, Jehovah was dwelling above the mercy seat. Blood and water stood between, and the fire never to go out. This altar was fire, sacrifice, the fire never to go out. Okay, the bronze altar was one and a half cubits high, the same height as the ark and the mercy seat. The bronze altar was made of, you're thinking to yourself, bronze? Was made of acacia wood, covered entirely with bronze or copper. Now... I want you to get this in your head. This is probably the most important thing you'll get in all of this is this one little thing. Acacia. Acacia trees are very common today in Africa. We're common all across the Middle East in ancient times. Joshua 3.3, in fact, tells us when they set out from Acacia Grove, came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So a lot of acacia trees. It's everywhere. Now, interestingly, the Greek Septuagint, that's the Greek version of the Old Testament, translated acacia, I'm not going to try the Greek, but it just, the word means incorruptible. All the wood in the tabernacle was acacia. The poles, the beams, both altars, and the Ark of the Covenant, they were all made out of acacia wood. Are you ready for this? No, you're not. Acacias have a branchless kind of a trunk with this very large flat top. If you've ever seen you know, video and pictures in Africa, you'd go, hey, that's an acacia tree right there. They look kind of like a big umbrella. It's this big bushy top is mm-hmm. called the crown. The branches are literally covered with thorns. Yeah, the tree is made up of thorns and a crown. Traditionally, it's believed the cross of Jesus was probably acacia wood. We know the tabernacle was always pointing to the cross. So even as he was dying on the cross, he was enthroned in his heavenly and earthly tabernacle in every sense. And it's really hard to miss the subtlety there of the crown of thorns that Jesus wore on the cross. Right. right? Now, as if that's not enough. (laughs) One of the other interesting aspects of this altar from Exodus 27, you shall make its horns on its four corners. Horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with bronze. 
The final act of Passover was to sing Psalm 118, which includes an intimate look at the horns of the altar of sacrifice. It says this, Open to me the gates of righteousness. I'll go through them and I'll praise Jehovah. This is the gate of Jehovah through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you've answered me and have become my salvation. That's the word Yeshua or Jesus. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You're my God, and I'll praise you. You're my God, and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to Jehovah, for he's good, for his mercy endures forever. Because that's what happens at the uh, altar of sacrifice, his mercy. These horns on the altar of sacrifice represented Jesus' death on the cross. He was bound to that cross with nails. It's one more reminder that our refuge is found in Jesus alone. Now, at the opposite end of the tabernacle, inside the veil, was the main focus in the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat. Guess what it was made of? That's right. Acacia wood, this time covered with gold. So if you're getting the tabernacle layout, you notice there are essentially two main trees present, right? One used for sacrifice, the other used to bring life. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Remember, the first tabernacle was in the Garden of Eden, right? Right. As shadows and types go, the bronze-covered acacia wood altar and the golden-covered acacia wood Ark of the Covenant were trees. Let's head back to the original tabernacle for a moment, the Garden of Eden. In that garden, God placed two trees that became very central to our story, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Revelation 22 sheds a little bit of light on one of those. And he showed me a river of of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street on the either side of the river was the tree of life. So it's pretty clear, based on that tree, that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was represented by the bronze altar, which was later represented by the cross, which helps us get a clear revelation of the relationship of the cross to the tabernacle. There's an even larger truth we need to see, too. Since the tabernacle was patterned after the heavenly tabernacle, everything about it and in it on earth was also in heaven, right? Now, are you getting this? Mm-hmm. It's important. Which means the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the Garden of Eden because it was in the heavenly tabernacle first. It existed in heaven before the foundation of the world. And if we look at the layout of the tabernacle, we can see that when God sat on his throne in the heavenly tabernacle from eternity past, he was staring directly out at that heavenly tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, why is that important? We've probably all asked the question, I know, spent years asking the question, why did God place the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the center of the garden? Could you not put it far away at the end of the garden? Hard to get to. Or why didn't God knock that fruit out of their hands before they tasted it, right? Well, the reason we ask that is because we see ourselves at the center of the story. It's actually his story, though, right? Genesis means beginning, and it is the beginning of the story. But it's not our story. Revelation is the end of the story, and go figure. Revelation means the revealing. And the very first verse tells us it's the revealing of Christ, because it was always his story. It was always God's plan to die for us, to make us his bride. But the obvious challenge was, God is eternal and he can't die. Well, there's a problem. In Revelation 1.8, he described himself like this. I'm the Aleph and the Tav, says Yehoshua, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, now to the king, eternal, 
immortal, invisible to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. And amen. Point is, he's li- he is life and life-giving. Death is not something he did, which is why he became flesh and blood so that he could taste death. Which brings us to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was created for one purpose, to kill him. And for one person only, because only he could rise again in holiness. That tree, as a shadow and type, would be the cross where good, that's God, would come to know evil. That is, God would take on all the evil and sin of man. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us something so profound. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The more you read that verse, the more it will blow your mind. Mm Mm-hmm. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were both in the Garden of Eden when God declared that it was good. Genesis 1.31, then God saw everything that he'd made. Indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. If we jump to Genesis 2, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created and the day that the Jehovah God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. And out of the ground, the Lord God had made tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in eden because it was part of the heavenly tabernacle remember everything was built as the pattern it was clearly beautiful but it was not to be interacted with by man he told him he said i made everything for you don't touch that one don't eat that one get away from that one because its purpose was one thing, the death of the Son of God. And it was connected to him alone. It was his tree. It was there for God's purposes, not for us. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil wasn't in the Garden of Eden to tempt man. God told Adam, don't eat from it. I mean, it wasn't like he was vague, right? Don't eat from it, because it would, what, bring death. That was its only purpose. It wasn't a test. When Satan tricked them and they disobeyed, the tree's purpose came upon them, death filled them because why that's what the tree did it killed you but yeshua jesus would come as the second adam you got to remember that Mm -hmm. concept there he would not taste of sin and so he would surrender his perfect life on that tree to redeem and to atone for our sin so we could receive him into our hearts eternally and become his bride and his tabernacle or temple so we can experience the tabernacle of heaven here on earth the trees, the altars, the ark, the throne, the cross, the resurrection. We also see that Passover and the Day of Atonement are flip sides of the same event. The Day of Atonement was completely fulfilled on the cross, in the grave, and with the resurrection of Jesus on Passover. So ultimately, the tabernacle was all about the cross. Now, we've entered the way, we've passed the bronze altar. Up next, we're going to go to the bronze laver. This is going to lead us, as you would imagine, back to the last Passover, and provide a little insight into what Jesus was actually doing with that basin and towel. We'll go back to the Passover next.